This morning, I first I just want to take a few minutes. Camp Grace, the, the ministry of children's Bible ministries, we've been we've been seeing God work tremendously in, in this year. It's 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 a coming out of COVID year, as we all know. Things have been um, been a little difficult over the last few years, as we all have experienced. But uh, this this year, we are at uh, we are just finished up our Rolling Chapel program, our uh, Bible classes, the release time Bible classes. If you give me that. Next slide, brother. We had 1,765 children enrolled in our Bible classes this year at 11 schools. So we praise the Lord for that. That means we got to share the gospel six times with up to, because they didn't always all come uh, to 1,765 children. We had 139 children, praise the Lord, come to know Him as their personal Savior. And that is why we do what we do. Amen. Amen. This year, our summer camp starts. My summer staff, the, the college students and high schoolers that work for us, are showing up at 3 o'clock this afternoon. So we begin our training of our summer staff. We've had a handful of lifeguards out training this week there at the camp. But we currently have, a, well, our theme is lost in time. We're going we're gonna to go back in time, and we're going we, we, we're to go forward in time, but we were trying to figure out how do we do that because we don't know what's there. But we're going to go back in time, and we're going to see some, some things from the past relating to our faith walk and how we live our lives. And so we're excited about that. It's going to be a fun summer for the young people. It's going to be a fun summer for the staff. And so we're looking forward to that. Currently, we have 428 children registered for seven different weeks of camp. That's about what we had last year come because we had to cancel two weeks of camp because of COVID. Well, we're not going to have COVID this year. Praise the Lord. So we're gonna we're gonna we're hoping and praying that we hit 600. If we hit 600 kids coming to camp, that'll be every bed full for seven weeks. So y'all pray with us that God would fill those beds because we want to have a full summer. We do have a full summer staff. Last year we we did not get everybody we needed, but we had to shuffle uh, counselors and stuff around, and it made it a little more difficult. This year we have everybody. Already we need. For the fall, we're praying for, to get back in more schools. Last year, we were not able to use the rolling chapel because of COVID. Our volunteers had said, hey, we just don't think we can be in that close proximity. Any of y'all ever been in the rolling chapel? It's a little bit tight, isn't it? It's not that big. But praise the Lord, we had a church, Zion Hill Baptist Church. We took it over to them, and they completely redid the inside of it for us. They peeled all the, the stuff that was on the sides off because it was already peeling and it was looking bad, so we got all that gone. Uh, what I really need is somebody who's an auto body guy that wants to come and paint it for me. It needs a good paint job. But if not, we'll, we'll use it as it is because it, you know what it is? It's a place to teach the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to children, whatever it looks like, you know? So, uh, but we're looking for more schools. See, we lost 14 schools without the Rolling Chapel the last year. Uh, and so we're hoping to get back in those 14 schools again, and that would take us back up to around six or 7,000 children we get to share the gospel with. But that also means we need more volunteers 
because a lot of the volunteers have kind of aged out over the COVID years and have, uh, have not come back, been able to come back and help. So if, if you're retired or if you have uh, a job that's flexible and you would be interested in doing that, be, be looking out for the fall because we'll be training in September to be ready for October classes. And we'd love to have more and more folks. The more folks that help us, the more kids we can reach for Christ. So please consider that as you look at what you've got planned for this fall and next spring. All right, let's, let's jump into this other. I know, like I said, I know that it's, the hour is, is late, but I, I do want to share with you. And, I, and I'm speaking to the graduates because I know that you graduates are, are, are moving to the next thing, whether you be going to uh, kindergarten or whether you be going to uh, high school or whether you be going to college or off into the workforce. You have new things coming. And my question to you is, where are you headed? Where are you headed? And it's not just for even the graduates of all those different years. It's for you and me. It's for you and me. Now, I'm about to turn 60 years old, and I have to ask myself this question. Where am I going? Where am I headed? Am I headed in the right direction? And some days that answer to that question is, yes, I am. I'm on track. I'm going the right way. And some, some mornings, church, I wake up and the Lord reveals to me, hey, you're not where you need to be. You, you, you need to be going this way. You need to be focusing on this over here. So church, don't, don't tune me out and say, well, he's just talking to them high school graduates going away to college because that, that's easy to get caught up in this kind of sermon. But we're going to begin by reading Matthew in Matthew chapter 28. It is a very familiar passage, a very familiar passage. For anybody who's been in church any period of time, you know this, you know this portion of Scripture, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. And it says, the 11 disciples, I'm sorry, if you'll stand with me. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth given to us. And God, we pray that you would open your word to us and open our hearts to you that we might hear from you today. Father, remove anything that's in me and speak. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I want to begin and I want to talk just about one word for just a minute. And it's that word in verse 17, that last word in verse 17 that is the word doubted. It says here that some doubted. So it's the 11 apostles. It's, this is the point at which they become the actual apostles, okay? This is where he gives them that call to go, that direct from Jesus, go into all nations. This is that call that he gives them. And it says that they, he directed them to the mountain where he had told them to go, and they went. 
and they worshiped. And it says, but some doubted. Now, this word doubted is distazo in the Greek. Distazo. And as you look at that word and you think about what that word means, we see the word doubted in our English Bibles, but that word literally means twice or two ways. Two ways. To doubt or to waver. To not be sure, to hesitate, to be uncertain. Now, the disciples are coming to a point here, and as, they look, as Jesus is talking to them, he is saying to them what they're to do. But some of them hesitated. Some of them wavered. They had come to this point, and there was a Y in the road or a crossroad, and they had to decide, am I going to go this way? Or am I going to go that way? Some hesitated. Some wavered in in what they were going to do. Some had to reconsider. Some had to get their hearts and their minds in the place that they needed to be. And you might say, well, why would they waver? They had been... Give me that next slide. One more. Give me one more. Why waver? Why would they waver? Well, where have they been for the last three and a half years? They've been walking with Jesus. Amen? They have had him right there with them the whole time. They have been following along. Now, what he had done is he had sent them out in pairs and said, go. And they went, and they come, but they came back. And they had been walking and hearing and learning and growing and becoming more and more faithful to him and more and more in line with what he had for them. And they were just, they were immersed in being with Jesus. But the time came for them to graduate. And they were graduating from being with Jesus to having the Spirit in just a few days come upon them and be in them and he was saying to them there's something else now I want you to think for just a minute church graduates especially but church as a whole why do you waver why do you hesitate what is it that's holding you back from being all that God has called you to be What is it that is keeping you from being the man or woman of God that you have been called to be? You see, there are all kinds of things, but their thing was they were looking back to, you know, before he died, he was here with us all the time. Now he's just kind of coming in and out, coming in and out amongst us, and now he's telling us he's going to go away. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What, what, you know, what's next for us? How are we going to do this without him? Some of you students may be saying, man, that coach was the best person to help me along through all that I've been. That teacher really inspired me to do, and now I'm kind of walking away from that teacher. I won't, I won't be able to have that connection with that teacher anymore. This friends I had in high school, when am I going to see them again? I'm going to be away from my church maybe. 
my, my support group that, that helped me to grow in my faith, that, that support group that's been there for me all these years, all the way through. You know, I've, I've been in this church maybe since I was born. And now I'm not going to be able to be at that church all the time. Those leaders and teachers and friends that I have there, they may not be at my disposal to help me when, I, when I'm struggling. Students, I promise you, you're going off from here. You call Pastor Hilton, he'll, he'll pick up the phone. Amen, brother? And your youth leaders here, they will, they will respond to you if, you if you need them. But there's uncertainty in what it is that's next. And that's for all of us, church. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And we got to hang on to that, hang on to him specifically, because he's the only one who can show us the next step. But you see, he didn't just, he didn't just bring them to a crossroad. He didn't just bring us to a crossroad. He gives a command. He gives a command. And it says here that uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve everything I have commanded you. Now, so here is a command. And that command is, as you go, make disciples. As you go, make disciples. A lot of us get, get caught up on the go part. The go part is not important because it's not just go knock on that door, bang, 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 and tell them about Jesus. Go to that next door and bang, 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 tell them about Jesus. But as you go. Now, I know we have some folks that about the only way they can go is when they come out to church. And they can't go anywhere else, but they make a point to be in church. I understand some of our older folks don't get to go like they used to go. But church, most of us go all the time. Most of us are on the road, out and about, running around, doing what we, what we have to do, what we need to do. We're going to work, we're going to school, we're going to this place, the grocery store, Walmart, Food Lion. Wherever we go, we're always going. My cars have lots of miles on them. I'm on the road all the time. We're always going. But are we following the command to make disciples? See, the first thing we have to understand is that to make disciples, we have to be lifelong disciples. Since you have come to know Jesus as your Savior, if you've come to know Jesus as I'm not saying you have, I don't know that. Only you and the Lord know that. You have to be a disciple, a lifelong disciple. And that means you don't arrive. You don't arrive. If you have come to know Jesus, that's not an arrival point. That's a starting point. The arrival point comes when you leave this earth and you join the Lord... In heaven. Everything in between is that lifelong discipleship process. 
coming more to know more and more about Jesus, more and more about the Word of God, more and more about what He has for you. And the closer you get with Jesus, the more you follow Him, the more availability you will have to make disciples. So, what happens to most folks, most Christians, is that they go back, they go out in the world, and they go back to that word in that first part, the, the distazo, the doubt, the waver. Now, your road may go this way, and you may be on that road exactly where Jesus wants you to be, but he's going to give you a divine appointment here and there where you are there for a reason, not just because you're there. You ever had the feeling that God was saying, you need to talk to that person about me? You ever had that urge to just tell somebody about Jesus? And whether you do or not, that's, a, that's an appointment God has made for you. Uh, we like Ephesians 2, 8, 8 9. For it is by faith you have been saved, or grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, so that no man may boast. But verse 10 tells us the next step. He says, Paul tells the church, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, prepared in advance for you to do. So church, when, you, when you're walking through the aisles at Food Lion or Walmart or you're, you're talking to the neighbor and you get that urge, you, ha- you feel that press that you need to talk to this individual, you need to share something about Jesus, you need to see, share something with them to help them understand their need for a Savior and that you know the only Savior there is. That's a divine appointment. And you're going because that's what we do. We go. And as we go, we're to make disciples. Now, in a a two- to three-minute conversation, you're not going to make a a disciple necessarily. But you may put somebody on the road to becoming a disciple. And you may never see them again. You may never run into that individual again. But don't waver. Don't doubt. We doubt in ourselves, our own abilities, and our own, uh, own faith sometimes when we're out and somebody, you have that feeling, it's like, oh, I can't, they might ask me a question I can't answer. You know what? There's a lot of questions. I've been a pastor for a lot of years. There's a lot of questions I can't answer. And, and I'm going to make it easy for you. I'll make it easy for you. You know what you tell them when you, they ask you a question that we, you don't know the answer to? I don't know. I, don't, I can't answer that question. But you know what? I'm going to see if I can find out. I'm going to see if I can find out what the answer to that question is so that next time I see you, I can give you that answer to that question. My wife teaches piano, and there's a gentleman that her granddad brings her all the, this one girl all the time. And um, every time he comes, he's got a question for me. And so the next time he comes, he and I have a conversation about what it was he'd asked the last time. And I say, 
I, I know what you're asking. Let me, let me have some time to dig in and make sure I got the right answer. So don't waver. Don't waver. Make disciples. The last thing I want to share with you is the most encouraging part of this. That last part of verse 20. He says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, the moment we receive Jesus as our Savior, He is always with us. Jesus is always with us. There's not a time in your life, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, there's not a time that He is not there. And He gave you His self in the Holy Spirit, dwelling within to be there with you. Always encouraging, always directing, always convicting if necessary. But He is always there. So when we waver, we're doubting Him within us. When we hold back what it is that He is pushing us or encouraging us to do, we are doubting Him because He's there. But He's always there. And that should be a comfort. If you're in Christ, you should be comforted by the fact that Jesus is always there. He's always there. And He's going to give you the words. When Peter was uh, brought before the Sanhedrin, he, he began to speak. And what does it say there? It says something about the fact that they recognized that these were untrained men. And that they had been where? With Jesus. Their lives were changed. The way they were able to speak and to teach was changed because they had been with Jesus. Because He's always there. And Jesus guided the disciples in what they were to say. Church, if you are a believer in Christ, you are a disciple. And you know what? He's going to guide you in what you should say. And church, I just encourage you. Put your eyes and keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you just real briefly and then I'm going to close. I, I carry these in my pocket everywhere I go. Y'all ever seen these? It's a little glass bead and it's red. And when Jesus gives me the opportunity to talk to somebody, I can say, that represents one drop of Jesus' blood shed on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And that'll either start a conversation or an argument. I've never had it start an argument. I've had some people want to get away from me, but I've never had it start an argument. But it has started some good conversations. Find what works for you. Find what works for you. Young people, as you go off to college, young people, as you go off, if you've graduated college and you're headed off into the work world, find what works for you. Let the Lord lead you in what He has for you because He has put you here for His 
glory. He has put you here for your glory. And if you will commit yourselves to him, he will use you to bring himself glory. Church, that's the statement for all of us. If we will but listen to the Holy Spirit, God will use us for his glory. So today, church, you may be thinking, I'm at that crossroad. And I need to make that next step. But which way do I go? Do you know which way to go? Do you know where you are? Is your, is your eternity secure today? Do you know for certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today, you'd spend eternity in heaven with Him? If the answer to that is yes or no, you need to respond accordingly. If it's no, you need to find this altar in just a moment, and you need to, you need to get with the Lord. If the answer is yes, what's your next step? Are you at the point of making disciples? Are you a lifelong disciple? Have you been digging in to the point where you're ready to make disciples of all nations as you go? Is there something you need to change? Maybe you need to come pray for direction. Maybe you need to come pray and ask the Lord to show you what's next. I challenge you, church, don't leave here today without doing business with our Lord because He has you here for a purpose, for His glory.